Thank you, Ribbona Shalom, for the ability to give over these beautiful lessons on from the base Halavi, bringing down on Hahadas Israel. We we all think that we know how to love our brothers and sisters. We all think we know truly how to have Hahadas Israel. But when we undertake these lessons and we understand these teachings and we embed them in our souls and in our heart, we see that we don't even know half of what we need to know. And there's a lot here. There's a vast ocean of how it is that we should really love. Uh, have love Ahavas Israel for the cloud. So let's get started. And now we're going to start on the prohibition and the severity of hatred and what that means. And so, and if heaven forbid there is aroused in him further hatred, aside from violating a positive commandment to a fellow Jew, he also transgresses the prohibitive commandment. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. We see this, guys, in Vayikra, which is among the most grievous sins in the Torah, about which the rabbi said in the second chapter of Perkei Avot, hatred of other people removes a person from the world. In Avos, in, in Avos, uh, Rab Nassan in chapter 12 it's found that the people of Sodom, since they hated one another, the Holy One, blessed be He, destroyed them from this world and the next world. But because of it, the baseless hatred, the base Hamikdash was destroyed. It's found in the Gemara, in Yoma, the second Yoma, that the first base Hamikdash was destroyed because of idolatry, illicit relations, and murder. But the second Besamikdash, when they were occupied with the Torah and the commandments and they had act of kindness, why was it destroyed? Because baseless hatred was prevalent in that generation. This is to teach you that baseless hatred is equivalent to these three transgressions. So it's very important for us to understand what baseless hatred is. It's the whole Abekta Midrash, you understand, was destroyed because of that. So I want to go and I want to give some insights here to what we need to learn in terms of brotherly love. The Ochaim Hakadosh raises a question regarding the wording of the verse, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. He asks, since the heart is the source of the hate, shouldn't the verse read, you shall not hate in your heart your brother? So first, the verse should explain where the hate resides. And only then, whom shall you not hate? So he explains that one may think that hatred means a very strong and burning emotion of total dislike to the point of a physical reaction. The Torah is teaching us this is not so. Any negative feelings that one has towards his fellow is hate. Are you listening, guys? Any negative feelings that one has towards his fellow is hate even if it's merely less than the love one has for a brother. So therefore, immediately after the Torah mentions the word hate, the Torah adds the extent of this prohibition, and that is anything less than one's love for his brother. You understand? Anything less than one's love for his brother. 
Mesirat Yeshayim makes this point as well. He writes that when we have an argument with a friend and then forgive him, the Yetzirah always tries to convince us that we shouldn't love him as much as we previously did. It's enough that we aren't enemies. This is wrong. In his words, the Torah tells us, Behavata lerecha kamuha. You should love your fellow as yourself without any differences, without any deviations, without any tricks or gimmicks like yourself, literally. So many people have different interpretations of what is considered brotherly love. How does the Torah describe such love? So the verse in Tehillim 133 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant is the dwelling of brothers. Moreover, in unity, the Midrash explains that this verse refers to the brotherly love between Moshe Rabbeinu and Aharon Cohen. And this verse continues like the precious oil upon the head running down upon the beard and the beard of Aharon. So the Midrash asks the verse, mentions beard twice. The Midrash explains that this word verse is referring to the moment when Aharon was anointed as Kohen Gadol. And Moshe was smearing the anointing oil on Aharon's head. He was so happy for his brother that he felt as if it was flowing down his own beard. So similarly, when Moshe was commanded to return to Mitzrayim and redeem the Jewish people, he was concerned that Aharon would feel bad because he wasn't chosen. We see this in Shemot. Hashem told Moshe, you are mistaken. Not only will Aaron not feel bad, in fact, he's coming to greet you and he will have joy in his heart when he sees you. This is what the Torah calls true brotherly love. That's the ideal level of brotherhood. And that is what we should strive to attain. Anything, anything less than such brotherhood, says the Oyahayim, is already considered a degree of hatred. So when we consider the level of brotherhood that the Torah requires of us, we see why it's such hard work to attain it. So interestingly, Rabbeinu Bahaya writes that there's actually two types of love, brotherly love and friendly love. Brotherly love is natural, while friendly love is caused by the unity and togetherness that friends share. He writes that a Jew should strive to have both types of love. He should naturally love his fellow Jew like a brother, and he should also be united with his friend, causing loving friendship. You understand this is like, this is something that we need to really understand what it is to really have brotherly love. It's not like the simple, oh, I have to love him and that's enough. No, it's not. Anything less than that obviously falls into a different category as we are learning. So we're going to ask ourselves, can I change my nature? So sinat sinam, baseless hatred is so horrific because it becomes a part of our nature. It becomes an instinctive and natural reaction so we have to ask, how are we to change that? So we have to know that the, there's a noted rabbi, Zev, Zev Brown, who taught a course in CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapy. And so discussing, he discussed a certain psychological approach for which he bought sources from, from Rav Shlomo Wolbe. The cognitive aspect relates to our thoughts, while behavior refers to our actions, and an emotional component is involved as well. So the main idea of this concept is how you think affects how you feel and act. So what you do affects what you think and how you feel. And how you feel affects how you think and act. So each one impacts the other. 
Dr. Brown began with cognition, thought, and he explained it with a muscle. Imagine someone walking down the street and a person just walks over and knocks him down to the pavement. He will probably jump up and start shouting on this person for knocking him down for no reason. So one should think that this reaction would be considered natural, normal, and instinctive. Being assaulted causes one to become upset. But what if the scenario were different? Someone inherits $30 million dollars And he decides he's going to randomly knock someone down with the following condition. If the person he knocks down gives him a hug and a kiss instead of yelling at him, he will give that person $1 million. Now imagine that the person who was knocked down happened to have heard about the stipulation. When he is assaulted, he will definitely jump up and give the man a hug and a kiss and he will collect his million dollars. Or let's say that someone is walking into the path of a speeding car and another person knocks him down and saves his life. Will the, act, will the reaction be one of anger or one of gratitude? So the question is, being thrown to the pavement cause which reaction? Does it cause yelling or hugs and kisses? There's no definitive answer here. It is one's thought that decides how to react and how to process that action. So Rav Wolby comments that the Rambam calls his section on character traits Hilchos Deyos, the laws of mindset. Why? Because it's all about a mindset. How a person reacts and feels are rooted in his thoughts. This concept is found in a famous teaching of the Ibn Ezra. And the Torah commands, Lo sakmod, You shall not covet. This we see in Shmot. The Ibn Ezra says that many people are amazed by this commandment. How can you tell someone not to desire something that seems good? So to explain... He uses the mashal of a simple peasant who sees a princess. He doesn't even think of marrying her because he knows that it would be impossible. So the Ibn Ezra states that anyone with intelligence does not become jealous regarding something that's not attainable. So when the Ibn Ezra says anyone with intelligence, with intelligence, He's telling us to use our brains to control our emotions. If you have the intellectual capacity to understand that someone has a beautiful house or car, etc., because Hashem gave it to them, then you can understand that that object is no more meant for you than the princess is for the peasant. So therefore, you will not have any desire for that object because you realize that Hashem chose not to give it to you. Thus, you will never obtain it despite your strength, tactics, or planning unless Hashem wills otherwise. So this, says Ibn Ezra, is a change in feelings and behavior based on thoughts and cognition. Our sages teach that the most hatred is engendered by jealousy, guys, jealousy. We see this in the Shalah HaKadosh, Shad Hosios, base, the base, the Peleloet, Sina. Additionally, many Sepharim teach that the worst Sina, Sina, basis hatred, stems from jealousy. All other causes of hatred eventually cease to exist. Thus, the hatred disappears as well. The exception is hatred that's caused by jealousy, and such hatred is far worse than any other. So people often dislike others because they have more possessions or because they are better, more popular, stronger, smarter, wealthier. But a person has to realize that just as he's not jealous 
of the fish that swim deep in the ocean or the birds that can fly because such capabilities are not feasible for a man to do. One must train himself to think that way regarding things that he wishes could be his. The secret of how to overcome sinatinam is through the ability to change our behaviors and feelings based on our cognition. And this is only possible with Emuna and Bitahon. And that is why Sinatinam and Emuna are really interconnected, guys. And for those of you that don't know, I give four shiurim every day, guys. If you don't, if you want, or if you don't know, now you're going to know. And if you want, uh, message me and I will send you the link. I have an ongoing daily shiur on Emuna and Bitahon, powerful shiur every day. Every day you get a clip. I also have this, this shiur on Havasi Shoren because it goes hand in hand. Because if you had Bitahon, you won't have, you would only have a Havas Israel only. And I have another one on the book of Psalms and its secrets on each and every Psalm explained on Psalm by Psalm every day. Every day is a different Psalm and one on the laws of Lashonara. All of these have everything to do with each other. So if you're interested in any of them, I will send you the, 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 the chat group links for you to join. They're amazing and it's life changing. So to continue, Akdut. What's Akdut? Akdut saves lives. So after the sin of the Miraglim, Moshe prayed that Hashem should not destroy the Jewish people. He said, yet, the Egyptians will say that you killed this people like a single man. This we see in Babibar. Panim Yafos explains, Moshe was telling Hashem that since they were united like one man, there is unity among them. So they should not be destroyed, even though they had sinned greatly. You see the power of Agdut? Similarly, the Gemara and Maksahe Megillah quotes the verse that Haman told Asheverosh. There is one nation and comments that no one knew how to slander as skillfully as Haman. The Shelachadosh explains that the Gemara is referring to the end of the verse in which Haman says about the Jews scattered abroad and dispersed among the people, meaning that there is dissension among them. So what did Esther do? What did Esther Malka do? She commanded that the Jewish people to congregate as one and pray to Hashem to annul the decree because when the Jewish people are unified, guys, they can be saved from the worst decrees. The worst decrees just by having Adut can save us. And this is relevant to what's happening right now. We need Adut because it's the Adut that's going to save us. Do you understand how important these teachings are and these lessons are and the merit that you're gaining for yourself and for the club by you learning what it is to have real Ahavas Israel? The Hassam Sofer shares a powerful muscle to illustrate this point. A person fell ill with a life-threatening sickness. He went to the doctor who was able to heal him only through bloodletting so every time the sickness recurred the man was fearless for he will go back to the doctor and the doctor will let more blood however at one visit the doctor was compelled to let so much blood that the person's heart and veins failed they failed so the next time the illness returned there was no more cure for him so too when the jewish people sinned 
even if countless times, as long as there is unity, as long as there is agdud amongst us, there is hope. But if there's dissension if, with one another, if there is separation, if there is sinahinam, if there is lashonara, if there is not having bitahon because we think that it's this person and that person and that person and we, have, we start having feelings that are not good feelings. If that happens with one another, with, with each one of us, with one another here, and it's the opposite of Akdut, and we create separation as we've seen. We saw this here in Eretz Israel. We saw the disunity that we had before before what happened on October 7th. <laughs> can, can we not say that that's the reason why Hashem called our attention? The situation becomes hopeless for Makloket is the worst sickness of all. This is how careful we have to be. This is how much in unity we have to be. This is how important Agdus of of, of Klad Israel is in the Isaac Kadosh Baruch Hu. With Agdut, we can overcome anything. We can overcome anything, guys. I'm telling you, just have Agdut. Don't judge anyone unfavorably. Don't say anything about anyone. Don't say any Lashonara. I don't care if the person has a kippah, doesn't have a kippah. I don't care if he has a strimal. I don't care if he has a down at. I don't care where they come from. A Jew is a Jew is a Jew. It's Hashem's children and we have to love everyone. Go around and you say to everyone that you see, you see a Jew in the street, I don't care. I don't care what they look like. I love that Jew. I love that Jew. I love that Jew. Remember, we have to look at the neshama. Don't look at the deeds. Because the person's deeds doesn't make your deeds better than theirs. It's like they say, one sin is not better than the other sin. Right? So we all sin differently. So let's not go there. Let's look at the neshama that that body is carrying. It's a holy neshama. That's why we're all part of Kadosh Baruch Hu. We're all part of one God. So therefore, we have to be one in Agdud. And where we're in Agdud, no one can touch us. No one can come near us. Look at the story of the, of, of, of the, the lessons of the Tower of Babel. What did Hashem had to do? They were unified in evil. Even in evil, an evil person, an evil group of people doing evil things. If they're in Agdut, they're protected. They're protected. Hashem had to make it so their languages would be so they couldn't understand each other in order to create that disunity so that they can be destroyed. How do you like that? Look how important Abdur is. So Bezrat Hashem Azuku Baruch. Thank you so much for taking these lessons. Bring others to the group. Add them to this group. Share this group with others. Do your part in doing Ahavas Israel by showing people what it is to really have Ahavas Israel. And Bezrat Hashem will continue from strength to strength and will continue to build Abdur, which we, we are in Abdur right now. We should be stronger in Abdur because there's always room for improvement. And Bezrat Hashem, we should see miracles and wonders happen before our eyes very, very soon. Bezat Hashem.